All right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. I know a lot of talk this week has been about the anniversary of the Atmospheric River. I did see the stories about some of the the bridges that they have completed. So that was pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, as you've known, uh, I've occasionally grumbled about things the government's done and not done. But (laughs) I have to say that yesterday's presentation, they gave us a PowerPoint and press conference and announcement yesterday. A very impressive story and congratulations all around. Two years after the Coquihalla Highway was basically destroyed by the atmospheric river, great big sections of it washed out. You remember the videos, they've completely rebuilt it. Yeah. Uh, 20 sections of the highway wiped out. And I mean, first of all, remember back then, they had the highway out within 35 days. That in itself was amazing. They've now rebuilt all the bridges that were wiped out. And these were, you know, double bridges because it's a divided highway. Um, Incredible what they did. The bridges are now, one of them is twice as long as it was before. This is to get it above the flood area. Uh, Pilings driven down. I think in one case, they said 15 stories down into the earth. Vegetation replanted and the highway is reopened and all of it done within two years. The Highways Minister Rob Fleming celebrating and praising the build, the road builders. And the road builders, you know, it's interesting. Semi find themselves in the interesting position of being in love with an NDP highways minister. And you go back over the history of the government in the 90s. That wasn't the case. So this is, uh, I noticed I was running down the list, Semi, of companies involved. One of them, Emil Anderson, helped build the Coquihalla in the first place under the Socrates. So, you know, there's a, a deep interest in this highway. Uh, it was you know, a long time ago, the subject of a political scandal in BC because it was over budget. Uh, It was a subject of a second scandal when the BC Liberals tried to privatize it and had to abandon the plan. But the Coquihalla is back. And as I say, congratulations all around on getting that job done very quickly. It's interesting that you say that. I remember, you know, two years ago talking to the Road Builders Association when all this was going on. And even at that time, they were saying the amount of communication with the minister and the ministry, they said, was fantastic, that they were they've been building this relationship for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, British Columbia is a very difficult place to build highways. Yes. And as a result, our road builders are world class. They're very good at it. I I remember, again, a highways minister, Alec Fraser, the one the bridge is named after. He gave, shortly after I started, uh, 40 years ago, he gave us a tour of the Coquihalla, which was then under construction. And they took us up through that incredible pass where they were building this highway. And I remember he said in one speech, um, it was going to be expensive. Uh, You know, he said you could pave over the province of Saskatchewan for what it costs to build a mile of roadway in British Columbia. So, yeah, our road builders are really good at it. You know, they mentioned yesterday that there's a shortage of skilled workers and they need to recruit more. And there are... Highway, there is highway work still to be done. Highway 8, the one that goes over to Spence's Bridge, they're not finished. That was completely wiped out. And they're still working on sections of the Trans-Canada Highway. So it's not all done. Uh, they just finished the work on the Malahat over here in Victoria. 
but all in, very impressive, and it comes with a price tag, Simi. Estimate yesterday, $1.5 billion. Yep. Again, the good news, Ottawa is expected to pick up about 70% of the cost of doing all this, which federal government doesn't always build highways in BC. So again, thank you, Ottawa. Uh, thank you, road builders, and thank you, Transportation Minister Rob Fleming, for leading, leading this whole thing. Okay, so that's the good. Now let's talk about the areas that still need some work, perhaps like merit. Yeah, I mean, there'll be listeners out there and uh, who will go, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great that they rebuilt the highway, but, you know, Lytton is still a smoking ruin. And they only got, I think, one building permit there. And it wasn't involved in the atmospheric river. It was before that. It was a different heat dome. Uh, but Merritt, yes, there are problems with Merritt. A big chunk of the city was flooded out. Merritt, of course, is on the highway. The Coquihalla serves Merritt. And I see, uh, you know, complaints. And I know Global had one last night from people saying, well, why is it taking so long to deal with the town? Uh, where is our rebuilding? I see the same kind of thing in the Fraser Valley about uh, the flooding from the Nooksack. Mm-hmm. There, people there are encouraged, Simi, that there's a, the governments have gotten together and agreed they have to deal with it. But the work is not done. And, you know, uh, one hopes we won't have another atmospheric river anytime soon. But in both Merritt and in the Fraser Valley, I think there are legitimate concerns that they got the road rebuilt, but they haven't rebuilt the communities yet. Right. So there you go. There's It's a tickle and a slap, as we would say, right? They did great mm-hmm. on one thing, but there's still work to be done elsewhere. Yeah, and it's expensive. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened with the Coquihalla that I think made it possible to proceed quickly, uh, first of all, it's all crown land. And First Nations communities were involved right from the get-go. The work crews, as I said, are already in place and the construction companies are all ready to roll. You look at the problems with Lytton and you get into archaeological work and the difficulty of digging up a town site in Merritt. I'm not as familiar with the entire story there, Mm -hmm. but certainly, you know, what can you say? It's easier to rebuild a whole highway than it is to rebuild a town. So, Vaughn, we're talking about uh, what we discussed yesterday. I understand that there's a a little clarification on this lithium battery announcement. Uh, Yes, the Premier's office uh, was listening. I'm delighted. Thank you for listening. I hope they're listening again today. The issue they raised with me was I had described the deal uh, to build this new lithium battery factory in Maple Ridge, federal provincial, as $2 million a job did say in passing that Uh, government money was being used to leverage private investment as well. However, the Premier's office thinks that a listener may have gotten the impression that it was $2 million a job, all public money. So I went back over the press release and yes, um, the government money in this project is $284 million and the rest is leveraged. Uh, So we're getting 350 new jobs there, Simi. Uh, $284 million, unless my calculator isn't working this morning, is only, and I put only in quote marks, $800,000 in public per job. So what a relief. It's not $2 million. Thanks, (laughs) Premier Office, for pointing it out. 
And I hope you appreciate the clarification. Yes. Oh, yes. Big clarification. Thank you for letting us know about that. Also, we were going to talk a little bit more about the BC Hydro Site C situation. Yeah. So a couple of interesting things about Hydro's announcement this week that they have given up on the idea of filling the reservoir behind Site C and instead they're going to do it next year. Now, Hydro said that's because there's still a bunch of work needs to be done and winter is coming. A couple of interesting bits of feedback. So the first thing I heard from somebody who said, you know, you... um, Adam Olson of the Greens asked about this in the House last week, but he asked about an environmental concern. So what about the grizzly bears and the black bears? Hydro, again, Olson raised this in the House, the Greens, uh, was looking to relocate the dens of some 24 bears uh, in order to uh, get them out of the way of the flooding, right? And biologists had said, um, you know, their bears are going to be hibernating. Um, it's not really a good idea to disturb bears during hibernation, and not just for your own safety, but for the safety of the bears as well. So, uh, you know, it's interesting whether that was something Hydro thought about in putting this off because, you know, that time was running out. The filling of the reservoir is going to take four months and relocating the bears would take some time too. Hydro didn't mention that and I haven't had a chance to ask them. Uh, The other thing that's kind of interesting is I heard from an engineering source and the engineering source says the other thing they're not talking about is the drought in the north. So the engineering source says there's a shortage of water in the north and that's one of the reasons they're not filling the reservoir is There isn't enough water in the other two reservoirs. Remember, Site C is the third dam on the Peace River. There's two above it. Uh, There isn't enough water up there to be sure of being able to fill the whole thing at the pace they want, so they've put it off for another year. Um, It's too soon to say what hydro will respond to all this, but Simi, it wouldn't be the first time that BC Hydro didn't tell you the whole story of their reasons behind a decision they made. That's concerning, though, that that could be a problem, especially they, they talk a lot about climate change. But if there's going to start to be water shortages up there, is it potentially that Site C might not be as useful as they think it's going to be? Uh, you know, Simi, that is a, a huge issue for British Columbia. The uh, One of the reasons we have so much genuinely clean emissions-free power in BC is because we have these giant reservoirs and these giant hydroelectric dams. And, you know, they have some kinds of backup, but generally we've got huge reserves. A reservoir is like a battery storage. So if the Pacific storm track shifts, as it may well do with climate change, we may not get the level of water in BC that we have in the past, and it could be a long-term problem for BC Hydro. I haven't seen any indication yet that that's coming, but the one thing I did again receive after the chat on the radio yesterday was somebody saying BC Hydro has committed again and again to meet all kinds of electrical demands, industrial conversion from fossil fuels, natural gas, uh, home heating uh, to electric, um, vehicle fleets converting, electric cars, growth of the economy. 
And the demands on hydro were going to be enormous. Now, hydro is out there saying, yes, well, that's why we need Site C. And they're also going to be issuing a power call in the spring for more wind power. And they're looking at geothermal. So all of that. But yeah, there's there's going to be huge demands on BC Hydro in a growing province and one that's trying to convert away from fossil fuels. And you're right. If the drought thing turns out to be a problem uh, for the reservoirs in the long run, Hydro may have trouble meeting all of these demands that they're hoping to meet. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simon. That is Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun. As always, if you would like to weigh in, you can. Simi at cknw.com.